Howdy do, buckaroos. Greetings from the Uncanny Valley. This is the incomparable TV sub show. Sub sub show. We're the show on sub level 83 <laughs> over at the incomparable. Uh, it's going to get uncomfortable soon because, uh, you know, the, the cooling system down here went bad if, uh, like a month ago. The smell is fantastic. But nobody um, has complained. <laughs> nobody's complaining. Uh, I am your host for this show, Kelly Gamont, with me as always is Don Melton. Party on, Don. Party on, Garth. Thank you to the incomparable for hosting us on Sublevel 83 and all the other levels. Uh, thanks so much to Jason and everybody for putting up with our nonsense as we roll through the second season of Westworld. We're up to episode two of season two, Reunion. And uh, we are now on a streak. Well, I don't know if it's a... I think now it's in a row, and then this Sunday will be a streak of having an initial reaction show out the door before the show's even done airing on the West Coast. And for somebody who has a really hard time editing, getting that out the door at that speed is really impressive to me because that person is me. I'm the one who does that. So <laughs> I'm Just very so you know, proud folks, of myself for having done it. So yay. I'm not, I'm not only proud of her. I'm like thankful I have nothing at all to do with it. It's like Kelly's <laughs> a, just so you know, folks, Kelly does all the, the hard work. And not only are we getting out a reaction show every week in record time i mean i do searches on the internet and we're one of the first out there we're doing these analysis shows and we're getting them out before the next episode comes out so yes so uh speaking of analysis we have a little bit of news that uh i'm sure well i mean every bit of news spins the analysis machine up a little higher but uh this sped it i think higher than most bits of news that we've gotten so far and that is the second half of the season, the episode titles have now been announced. Yeah, no so we summaries. We have the episode title for all for all of season two now. All ten episodes. Yes, we did and have the, the first five. And, and the significant one is the significant one is the last episode. It's called the Passenger, and I don't think they're talking about a, piz- a pigeon. Uh, I'm gonna guess. Oh, I assumed it was Iggy Pop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I'm, Only because I'm, that song is always on my mind at the moment because it's one that I can play. Because to bring everybody's personal life into it, I got a ukulele for Christmas, and I've been learning to play it. And one of the songs that's uh, very simple to play is "The Passenger" by Iggy Pop. It's so uh, because it's the same wow. chords over and over and over again for three and a half minutes. So it's like doing drills. It's like when you play the piano and you have to have sca- and you you play scales up and down like to practice. This is like that for me. So I play the passenger on the ukulele a lot. So that was my <laughs> first thought when I saw that was, oh my god, Iggy Pop is a host. That explains okay. so much. Because I don't play. Take that, Reddit. <laughs> yes. Because I don't play the ukulele, I foolishly thought. Peter Abernathy, <laughs> so, you know, because oh, he was no, supposed a, to get, like, get on the train. That's a legit one. See, yeah. I had the Hollywood Squares answer, you yeah, know. There and you go. Yes, before we get any mail about it, um, I know about the Susie Sue version of The Passenger. That is probably my favorite version of The Passenger, but the Iggy Pop one is the one that sounds the most like I can actually play it. So there you go. I look forward to your letters. <laughs> I gave the Hollywood Squares answer, but you gave the actual legit answer because when I started thinking about The Passenger, like – that was my first thought was Peter Abernathy, too. Well, it could also be Maeve, right? Because she didn't get on the train. Maybe she decides to get on the train again. And, oh, by the way, folks, spoilers. 
we forgot to say the spoilers word. Uh, so, uh, so that's the news. Uh, maybe she doesn't find her daughter. Maybe she finds her daughter and her daughter doesn't know her, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the thing is, you know, you know, the way Nolan and Joy write, they (gasps) love to create these really fully fleshed out deep characters and make you care about them. And then they torment them. And then put them through absolute hell. Yeah. They're they're actually, when you think about it, they're doing to the story uh, what the humans do to the hosts in Westworld, you know, tormenting mm-hmm. them. So take that, Nolan, and Joy. So uh, let's talk about a little torment. Because well, that's... a little torment on my end. I, I was going to talk about we have a big correction from the reaction show here as we step into analysis. And people call... <laughs> People called me out on it on the Tweety machine. Yes. But honestly, folks, after we recorded the episode, it wasn't, oh, God, I don't think it was more than an hour, hour and a half. And uh, and after uh, Kelly had pressed the publish button, uh, which was which was problematic that night, we had a panic because. Uh, but anyway, we found out that. Uh, uh, Claire Unabia and I, and Claire, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, uh, starred as Juliet in episode two, which stunned us because uh, Juliet, of course, is the character that is William or the man in black's wife uh, and uh, Logan's uh, sister. Right. And she's the uh, we first saw her in episode one of season one because she's. Uh, the girl in the in the photo that Peter Abernathy finds that kicks and, everything off. Yeah, that kicks everything off. That turns him nuts and starts the cascade of all the uh, other hosts going nuts. Um, and uh, that was a stock photo from Getty Images. Uh, the Reddit hive mind found, uh, found out, and everybody joked. Uh, you know, it was found later in the season. I think episode nine or 10 that that's supposed to be uh william's fiance at the time and julia Mm -hmm. real big everybody joke well they're not going to get they're not going to be able to find this woman from the stock photo and get her on the show in the future if they ever do a flashback Ah, they did and Mm -hmm. so it's the it's the same girl i thought she looked remarkably like her and there was a good reason we did mention was wow they did a good job finding somebody who looks like the girl in that photo and it really was the girl in the photo. And the reason that she looks so much like the girl in the photo is because she is the girl in that photo. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to argue with logic like that. Now, the funny thing is, is uh, so as soon as that was figured out after episode two, uh, some folks went out and interviewed her. And they went like, wow, that's really cool. Did you, you know, how did you get uh, get the job? And one of the things in the interviews that she corrected was that when she posed for that photograph in Times Square mm-hmm. that was not uh, for a stock photo and right. th- the person who was credited for the photograph which was another a bit a uh, bunch of theory hogging nonsense for a long time his name was Eric Von Weber and of course mm-hmm. Weber is the last name you know Arnold Weber yep. uh, the character in the show that I uh, said that can't be coincidence but she said the photographer, she doesn't recall his name being Eric Von Weber, for one thing. And two, she said the photo shoot was not a stock photo. She was doing a photo shoot for some 
quote unquote tech company whose name she doesn't remember. Dun 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 dun. Or does she? <laughs> or is it Orgos? Or yeah. is it Delos? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. As deep down as this show goes in into some of these details, I have a hard time believing that, you know, like in three or four years, she's not going to be on a panel at Comic-Con like we weren't fooling anybody, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, and the other thing that was remarkable to, uh, remarkable to me is I thought, well, it's a model, you know, maybe she doesn't have any acting experience. Right. She really only has like one audible line, but she just totally nailed the uncomfortable and awkward performance mm -hmm. with her dog uh, and happy performance too with her daughter, with Jimmy Simpson as uh, younger William yep. and uh, with Peter Milan as uh, James Delos. And I went like, how is this woman not on TV somewhere else? Right. Cause just her. Well now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that probably will change. As like a, the subtlety of her expression and everything else. It, it was great. And it's, Wow, that's like the producers are. I thought they were geniuses, but now they're super geniuses. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Anyway, so folks, boy, was I wrong, and I was happy to be wrong. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the beginning. We talked about this on the reaction show. Um, we got a bunch of show before we got the theme. So when we're watching, um generally we're watching on hbo go or hbo now and when you watch that way you get the the commercial at the beginning so the random commercial at the beginning a, usually <laughs> a random commercial and it's you know like what's coming to hbo or what's on hbo this minute or like we have shows let me show you them and you know different things like that and so you sort of go yeah yeah commercial and this time we got a commercial, but it started with Westworld. And so, and it's a very stylistic ad. And um, it starts with Westworld. So, and then all of a sudden everything goes sideways and we're like, wow, that's kind of weird. But then we get a whole bunch of show before we get the opening theme, the opening right. credits. What, to, to be clear, you can tell when the actual show uh, starts because you do get the annoying ass HBO static logo. And that was the key. And then the first note, and damn you, yeah. Raman Jawadi, for your brilliance. The <laughs> first note is exactly the same as the first note to the show. But the second note mm -hmm. is completely different. And so, you know, I get it in my head to see, you know, hear the first note, see the little light come up over the bison's, you know, yep. skeleton. And it's a different note, and then suddenly Evan Rachel Wood's face appears as Dolores. And I and I stood up. I said this in the uh, direction show. I stood up, and my wife, who's sitting behind me because I have the TV on so goddamn loud, uh, she said, sit down, sit down, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> it was – well, it, it was interesting to me to see it that way. That was just very uh, – Oh, Yeah. It was a very odd intro, like, because that's one of the few things we can take for granted, right? Like, this is HBO, oh, and then, boom, and yeah. we're, okay, I'm in, here we are, this is what we're doing, buckle up, right? And it wasn't, it was very odd. Um, 
So and that that was the first time they've ever done that. Now they yeah. do that stunt with the the intro thing in Game of Thrones a lot, but they usually on Game of Thrones only do it for the first episode of a season. They never do it for any other yeah. episodes usually. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, so for them to do it on the second episode after they hadn't done the first in Westworld was there. You know, is once again they just like fucking with us. Oh yeah. Yep. So it was an episode. I want to skip around. Like overall, we got a lot of information this time. We had a lot of things that were up in the air that we have at least um, more information about. If not, I mean, I never feel like we're going to get everything, but we have a lot. I feel like I'm on a lot better footing with the world that we are in because there was a lot of world building that happened in this episode. But like every show that I have fallen hopelessly in love with, getting that one answer just gave me like six more questions at least yeah and and there were uh there was so there was so much information it, it was almost like overload and i i watched it again after we, we recorded the reaction show uh almost immediately and then watched it again with my sister and then watched it i think it, i so i i must apologize folks i've only seen the episode five times all the way through since we do this. Normally I watch it more often than that. But there were lots of other little things uh, at the side that I thought was really cool that I didn't think about until either the third watching or getting on Reddit and exploring the hive mind to see what they noticed. Like one of the first things, you know, we get that opening with Dolores and Arnold and it is Arnold. It's not Bernard people. Jesus Christ. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Uh, and they they see uh, Arnold's house, and I thought, you know, that house looks familiar. The the pattern of those blocks and stuff. Why mm-hmm. is that? And I I uh, I was an architecture student in uh, school briefly, and somebody on Reddit actually noticed it, and it turns out to be they're actually using a real loca- a film location in Pasadena, in California, mm-hmm. folks. That's Frank Lloyd Wright's. Uh, Millard House that was built in 1923, and I and thought how they did that and made it look like it was somewhere completely different was very interesting. Well, it looks like it's uh, in Hong Kong or something. Yeah. So it, that's, it, because that's they, my theory is that it's that it's uh, that that was my theory that it's Hong Kong. Right, and uh, because the other buildings around, but the the walkway that Arnold and Dolores walk over, that's also another location from. Uh, somewhere in downtown Los Angeles. So, so they're skipping mm-hmm. all over the universe, basically, and stitching this yeah, together, and you to never notice. Right. Well, but also it keeps the, the... My Hong Kong theory comes from two things, which are um, the presumably Chinese people who are giving Strand shit on the beach in episode one, talking about my island, and... Uh, you know, your government and my island. And then um, in this episode, Arnold says, I'm moving my family here. I need to have my two worlds at least within reach of one another. Yeah. So and like, he's, oh, that's where he lives. And it's obviously, yeah, it, it, everybody should go with Kelly on this one. She's, I believe she's totally right. She <laughs> called it the, she called him the first show cor- uh, correctly on that. The other thing is, is you notice as they're walking out of the hotel, wherever, uh, uh-huh. You know, Arnold uh, and Ford and the other hosts are. They walk uh-huh. past this place called Space 47. 
Yeah. Uh, it's a bar restaurant, and there's like uh, Chinese characters on it too. And mm -hmm. if you look at the clientele sitting there, quite a few uh, uh, Asian folks. Now, the funny thing is, somebody on Reddit noticed. Once again, the Reddit hive mind. It that worked. looks familiar. So they search. They did just did. Seven is a thing. Why do I know that? Right. And then here we go. And so they did. Uh, they used the power of the Google. And did a search for Space 47, and the first web search result that comes up is about an episode of a Japanese TV series. It's like a Power Rangers spinoff or something like that, which includes, get this, a main character transferring his consciousness into an, an immor uh, mortal android. Ding, 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 ding. So... Coincidence? There's more dinging later. Spoiler yeah, alert. <laughs> there's much more dinging later. So, uh, and this got Kelly thinking about other things that we see in this scene with uh, uh, Dolores and Arnold, particularly in regards to Charlie. Do you want to start, crank the spoiler machine yes! early? So, Go right is... ahead. Yes, for those who, who don't remember, um, I run a home. For the crackpot theory and, and i have a theory here um like it was literally when i did the two i cast we called it kelly's house of crackpot theories um i think so here's the thing is we've seen a lot about charlie but technically we've never seen charlie and the only thing we know about charlie is like we know he we know he's bernard's son but the only thing we know about him or his life is that ford gave Arnold the memory Ford gave Bernard the memory of Charlie dying we do not know if Charlie actually died because there was never a point where we hear Ford talk to Arnold about his son we, or anything we, like that because we, we don't we, we do don't hear Ford we do hear Ford tell uh Bernard and Dolores remember in episode 10 when Dolores is mm -hmm is uh, Ford is repairing her down in the bunker for the last time. Yeah. He talks about uh, uh, Arnold uh, not getting over the death of his son. So yeah. whether Arnold. Ford is a reliable, yeah, Arnold. So what does that mean? We don't know. So my theory, because I couldn't find anything where, where Ford definitively said that it was Arnold's son who died. So I feel like there's more to Charlie's story that we haven't seen yet. So that's, that's my two bits on that. I feel like I, particularly because we are at a point in the storytelling where uh, Charlie is still alive and presumably not sick because if he were sick, then why is Arnold, why is Arnold building a, a whole place for him? And, you know, this is for Charlie. So, and he wants Dolores to meet him. So, you know, because I think the two of you would would really like each other or whatever it is he says. So I feel like there's there's more, we're not done with Charlie yet as a, a character in this tale. So we'll that's see what it, yeah. on this one on this one. Kelly, uh, Kelly and I will disagree because I think the timing on this first in instance is uh, this is obviously very, very early in the park's history. The park's not really mm -hmm. open yet uh, because for one thing. <clears throat> Arnold's still alive, and we know that Arnold died before the park actually opened. Yes. And uh, we don't know in that three-year time, uh, time frame that Ford talks about 
in episode three of season one when he's telling Bernard the slightly abbreviated history of the early days of the park yeah. and we see the flashback. We know that there were three years there. So we know this happened sometime then. We we don't know exactly wh- when that was. But I will agree there's something wacky not only with Charlie, but in my mind, uh, Arnold's wife. Because if Arnold killed himself mm-hmm. after Charlie died, mm-hmm. uh, why isn't Arnold's wife getting all the way up in forged shit uh, about it over the years and, you mm-hmm. know, suing him or not doing something else, like, because of this tragedy. Why don't we uh, hear from her again? Yeah, why, is so there, I, why isn't there any fallout from that? Right. So I think I think we're going to see that. So anyway, jumping ahead to all the great hosts that we see, you know, the, the oh, wonderful yes. Angela, we also see uh, our first time in the series – and we don't see them in their natural environments. We see uh, Zahn McLaren as uh, Ketchita, which, strangely enough, is not the name that he's given in the other documentation. Oh, uh, okay. He has a different name. But he, we, uh, we thought he was going to – the first time we were going to see, see him is a Ghost Nation member, right? But he's yeah. looking pretty fucking smooth and – uh, English speaking in this one. And we also see Jonathan Tucker as Major Craddock uh, 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 at the party. The people at the party. Yeah, and you mentioned in the notes, you mentioned at the notes that uh, he was on the show uh, Hannibal. Yeah, he was right. one of the characters on Hannibal. Um, he was also like the lead in a show that NBC had for a while called The Black Donnellys, and he's done a few episodes of a few things here and there. Well, um, the last time he's I well saw on his way to hey, it's that guy status. Oh yeah, yeah, he's totally because he he was also on um, oh crap, uh, the Stars Network show, uh, American Gods. American he was Gods, in the, right. yeah, he was so, in the first episode of that. So he. I recognized him, which is why I had to put that in the notes because I'm like, I know him from something. What do I know him from? Oh, right, Hannibal. So, but, but I thought like, I had to go look he, it up to find out when they gave his character name, Major Craddock, uh, in the pre-release season stuff. I didn't realize yeah. he was a host. I thought he was going to be some asshole along uh, the Skarsgård strip. Military to mop yeah, up. Yeah, the military yeah. to mop up. But who knew? Uh, and then. Um, uh, uh, so that party was great, and that uh, that head game they it played with was love. bonkers. Yes, watching that was one of the things that I wrote down was uh, watching Logan's swagger basically fall away as he stands there in awe of what he's seeing was pretty great. Yeah. Now there there were some other things in the episode that. Uh, we found out based on interviews with some of the actors during the week, they started opening up about uh, some and Evan Rachel Wood, uh, she talked about a uh, real difficulty. Remember the scene? It's about 15 minutes in where they're doing the flashback to the park and uh, Dolores and Teddy are in their loop. And you briefly see um, Armistice as the sheriff at this time in the park, which yeah. I thought great casting. Mm-hmm. She, yes. You know, uh, Ingrid doesn't get any lines in this episode, but you see her twice. Uh, but that whole scene where they have to free, you know, freeze all motor functions and they're, mm. you know, during the middle of the can scene. And uh, Wood was talking about 
how they do that and then all of a sudden because there are actually real horses behind them that you know people are holding still and one of the horses just started taking (laughs) a huge noisy piss (laughs) and and wood and marzen know each other real well by now they're staring at each other and you know just in the eyes it's like try not to laugh try not to laugh try not to laugh (laughs) and they hold it together and then suddenly the other horse starts taking a really noisy piss and they just <laughs> lost it. They had to, they had to uh, reshoot the entire scene because of that. And she says that uh, a lot of times when they're in the, the set, if it's the end of the day and the horses are tired, they will start doing things like that to get out of work. <laughs> the other thing I found out uh, is that Evan Rachel Wood, you know, we see her in episode one and we see her again in this uh, episode doing some great, horse work you know writing mm-hmm. she's actually the best writer of any of the actors the main actors so far uh, because she's been writing since she was very very little mm-hmm. she, uh, she grew up uh you know in a rural area in uh, north carolina they actually have to give her the slowest horse <laughs> because if they don't they found this out she'll like outpace everybody She's way ahead of everybody, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, because she's the best, uh, she's actually uh, a better horse uh, horse person than James Marsden, and who's no slouch at it either. And so yeah. I thought that was funny. It's like, uh, give the girl the slowest horse because she's actually the best at it. Uh, Which is so funny. So the other thing in this episode that I thought was fantastic was the absolute veil of secrecy they had on one of the guest stars. Yes. The always amazing uh, Gus Fring. No, the always amazing Giancarlo <laughs> Esposito ding, as ding, El ding, ding, ding. Yes, That's yes. There was more dinging later. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so apparently. Oh, my God. Yeah. When, it, when he looked up and went, oh, oh, yes. Yeah, there's Gus Fring right there. And it was uh, like, it was it was very dimly lit because it was, you know, because of where they were and it was nighttime and everything. So at first I'm like. No. And then he kept talking. I'm like, oh, my. it was so great. Oh, and that, that speech he does about the elephants is so chilling and weird. And obviously, you know, that's Ford uh, talking mm-hmm. through him. But the thing is, you know, they when they sent the five episodes out to uh, the critics to review it, mm-hmm. one of the restrictions was, you know, they couldn't give away the plot or anything. Yeah. But they also couldn't mention. You can't Carlo talk about him. Yeah, you can't talk about him. That's a big <laughs> surprise. And uh, and he actually even had to lie to Evan Rachel Wood and other cast members when they were at an awards show, uh, I <laughs> guess, right. earlier this year. Because he, the only people who knew that he was going to be there on set uh, were the few actors who were standing around uh, yeah. as extras, uh, Ed Harris and Clifton Collins Jr. Uh, as Lawrence. And get this, Anthony Hopkins, he's the only one who knew, because Sir Tony was on set for the entire performance. And why is he on set? Because Anthony Hopkins is the biggest fucking Breaking Bad fan there is in Hollywood. (laughs) He's just a maniac about that. He loves it. Uh, And... It I was his idea about the rewatch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, 
it was uh, he was the one who was nagging you know Nolan and Joy like hey you got to get somebody from Breaking Bad yeah yeah Breaking Bad on the show because they're such uh, marvelous actors but the other reason he is there is somebody let slip that Hopkins is actually credited and I I'm not sure which episode it is he's actually listed as one of the guest stars I think it's on episode four five or six this season. Mm-hmm. So we will see so in some form some or the other. Him. Yeah, not just his Ford. Yeah, yeah. We, knew, we knew he was we coming We knew back. there was going to be more Ford in season two. Well, he's uh, in this really episode. question of amounts. Yeah. yeah. He was in this episode as a bad reflection, younger version. But that's Anthony Hopkins's uh, voice there, right? You know, and, in the hotel. Yeah. And there's two things about this particular moment with with uh, Giancarlo Esposito as a lasso. And the first is when he tells the that circus elephant story, then he looks the man in black in the eye and says, I'll see you in the valley beyond. And then pulls the trigger and and then he drops too. And it and so first of all, like at that moment, like it's like theory overload and you're like what just happened like you brought Giancarlo Esposito in and this is all he gets to do and then you're like but what happened to this and what about that and why did he tell him that story and didn't we hear about the valley beyond earlier and like as your brain is doing all this you see the man in black just get pissed and he goes fuck you Robert (laughs) and it was (laughs) Lawrence level swearing and it just it's so it was a it was an emotional roller coaster in those like three seconds at least at my house because it was so oh I was, was so entertaining to watch him just be like ah oh, like to watch him be grumpy about it was hilarious oh I started cracking up my wife started cracking up because she you know she obviously got it too we were we were uh, I had to back we it up left. and watch it again because yes. watching his face just watching his face morph from like I'm trying to keep up like you know I'm the boss in this situation. And then El Lazo takes all that power away, and then he's like, "Oh God damn it!" And just watching him do that was so fun. Uh, and there's and- so much like, like, dark and dramatic and not funny in this show that those moments where you just have to laugh at something always stand out to me even more. So that was just hilarious. Oh yeah, and. And you're absolutely correct about the the whole Valley Beyond, or as Teddy uh, wisely says at the uh, the end scene, the Valley Beyond or Glory, because that's what the Confederate mm-hmm. was ca- uh, call it or whatever. To me, yeah. it seems like both Dolores uh, with Teddy and uh, her homies, uh, you know, Angela and everybody, yep, and the Man in Black, and now his sidekick. Lawrence, they're mm-hmm. all heading towards the same destination. Oh yes, and it's oh yes, they're all going to end up in the same place, right? And but but it's not a place, according to Dolores, it's a weapon. And here's I'm going to step into uh, theory time here. I don't think it's really the Facebooky data collection project that Will- William says in the flashback that he sells to James Delos Mm -hmm. and that from episode one, that Bernard, when he's in the bunker with Charlotte, the drone lab barker, I don't think it's the same thing. 
I think it's something different, and that's because theory number two here from Don. Yes, yes, yes. Because remember, back in episode one of season one, Peter Abernathy, when he loses his shit staring at Mm -hmm. the picture of Clara Navia as uh, Juliet, he says to Dolores on the porch, I had a question, a question you're not supposed to ask, Ask. which gave me an answer you're not supposed to know. know. And then at the end of this episode, when William is trying to humiliate Dolores uh, when she's sitting there naked in the chair and he's trying to make himself uh, feel good about it. He says, Which is Kelly's next banana pants theory, by the way, when we get to Okay, okay. Uh, and I'll tell you some background on that I heard from Simpson. Anyway, he says, <laughs> I think there is an answer here to a question that no one's ever dreamed of asking. So it's my theory yes. that what Abernathy said in episode one of season one and what um, uh, William says here, uh, uh, younger William, but not completely young William, says mm-hmm. here, these have to be the same question and answer. And it is not the Facebooky data collection thing. Uh, William, and by extension, Delos, is up to something else. And I don't even think it's the same thing that Charlotte knows about. There is something else going here. It, you know, it's in, it, What it knows Charlotte mom- knows and doesn't know is a whole other conversation because there's a lot of shit that she knows, just knows, that we can't figure out why... But, but- yeah, she but knows she did that. But then she has weird blank spots in these other areas. Like she didn't know about the mesh network, right? Yeah. She's like, "What the fuck is that?" So it's possible. But she knows the name of the guy that she picked at random that they were supposed to put the backup on and put on a train. Yeah, Peter Abernathy. So it's right. possible that what William is building with all these monster machines, in my mind, is some sort of research facility inside the park that he's kind of got like off the books. So I'm thinking that whoever he's got working there, maybe they came up with a way to transition the hosts from mechanical to fleshy bodies. Remember when he's telling Teddy about that in episode four? Mm-hmm. And he he's like, he doesn't like the idea now. Because remember, William walks off from, old William walks off from, as the man of black walks off from, uh, pariah say calling this place his biggest mistake maybe he hates it for that reason maybe mm-hmm. these people in this research facility were developing human medical treatments by trying them on the hosts first remember mm-hmm. the quote i read from um the words of our ford uh last episode <laughs> where he's talking you know we can you know we can cure everybody now maybe it's that and maybe- even bring back from the dead yeah, well, they've maybe they found a way to cure disease and injury with host-based replacement parts, or maybe they found a way to transfer human co- consciousness into host bodies. Remember when Peter Milan, as James Delos, has his coughing spell at yeah. the party, and he says to William, "I, th- I thought maybe I wouldn't have to retire." There's got to be something up with that. See, and I think part of that is tied into that conversation they had on the grounds. Um, which is, uh, uh, where did it go? I wrote down exactly what it is he says because I thought it was very odd. Our arrangement's been a perfect fit. Your stepping down doesn't help me at all, nor me, but I was told I might not have to. Yep. And then William says, things are progressing well. We all need a little patience. And that's when James Dello says, 
some of us some of us can afford patients more than others and something like that and what is that arrangement like that's another place where like i have fallen down a cliff of of theory and speculation because what is the arrangement why is he stepping down why does it matter whether or not it helps william like on and on and on so i want to say something specific because we were talking about you know we did jump down the space 47 thing um remember that that uh you know the book of our ford says that um (laughs) you says something about bringing lazarus himself back from the dead right yeah yeah call lazarus from his cave call lazarus from his cave so there is a comic book by uh uh greg rucka and I'm not going to remember the artist's name. I just remember that it's Greg Rucka. Uh, he I will wrote find it? Out. Uh, yeah, Greg Rucka wrote it. And it's this story about, um, like, it's it sounds sort of odd, but basically, like, the, the story of it is... Uh, there there's there's these families it's almost like mob families but it's it it's a little bit uh feudal i guess and um and it has to do with like genetics and you sort of um you grow like you you have a warrior and that warrior is the person who goes and fights the other families warriors and that's how like stuff gets it's really interesting but it's called lazarus because they call these warriors, Lazarus, like this is the Lazarus for this family. This is the Lazarus for that family. And I'm wondering if any of this is going to uh, pop up later. You know, if we're going to talk about anime transferring androids. Hey. <laughs> like spinoff TV shows transferring into consciousness. Like you could do worse than oh. uh, mining a Greg Rucka story for something like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Uh, no idea where this is going. And uh, in an interview... Um... Uh, with Jeffrey Wright, uh, I can't remember which uh, what magazine he said that uh, uh, because of uh, you know last season, first season, he was actually given some extra information when they started filming episode two. Nolan and Joy called him in a room and said, "Hey, you're a host. We just want you to know, so you'll tailor your performance." And these other scenes, you're actually Arnold. Right. And he didn't even yeah. know that the uh, the first episode. So he actually had information up front, which the other cast did. But, you know, with this season, with Bernard waking up completely out of his fucking mind and lost his shit on a beach, they didn't tell him dick. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so he's got he's got nothing. He's you know, he's like he's acting like the, the man on a wire here. But he said he actually, uh, because of the shooting schedule and stuff, they film a whole bunch of stuff out of order because they have to do it. You know, they've got like three or four units filming at the same time. But he's filming things from several episodes uh, because that's that's how you do efficiency, folks. So he was actually able to piece together some of the story to figure out what's going on because the Nolan and Joy are famous for only telling the actors essentially what they want to know. But he said by the time he got through the season, a lot of what he had guessed was wrong. (laughs) And he said, if you think, even after the reviewers, you've seen Mm -hmm. the first five episodes and you know what's going on, 
I <laughs> let me tell you, Nolan and Joy have your number, and they're fucking with you. <laughs> well, and remember that you know he gets to see a whole lot more than we do, and for him to know an order of magnitude more than we do, which is still orders of magnitude less than Nolan and Joy, and for him to be like, yeah, whatever it is you think you know, uh, uh-uh. uh, like. Yeah. That tells me we have no idea what's going on, and it's going to be awesome. And and all of the cast, they're, they've just got, every one of them have these Cheshire Cat grins because they, you know, they got to the end of the season, and they still haven't seen all of the episodes themselves because they, you know, they, they can't do that. And they swapped a, a few stories uh, privately, but they know this is a really good story. And they like the arcs for their characters, and they like where it's going. And they totally know it's set up for season three. Which, by the way, I think the other news from this week was, da-da, HBO renewed uh, Westworld for season three. Who would have thought they would have done that? So What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I remember that story with uh, Jimmy Simpson now. You know, we were talking about that scene where he's like... Uh, trying to humiliate uh, Dolores and make himself feel mm-hmm. good. Simpson said that was some of the hardest acting he's ever had to do because it is like the lowest he's had to descend as a human being, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, he said, trust me, folks, I've been in some other shows where I like stabbed a woman in the hand, right? <laughs> and tormented <laughs> yes. her. And he said doing that, you know, being in that room and doing that to F and Rachel Wood, which is who's a really close friend of his, too. He said, yeah, that's acting. <laughs> he said that was yeah. he said, that was actually unpleasant to do. He I said bet. in the end, it's fun. But, man, he, he said this season has been really hard on him. And the other thing he's also trying to do this season is really channel Ed Harris. Because, yeah. you know, we know that it's the it's essentially the same character. And what he's doing in his mannerisms and everything else, oh, the man is a genius. I mean, talk about micro-acting. Oh, you yeah. You know, with gestures. The little mannerisms and stuff. And it's not, and it's not a sketch, you know, like um, for people, I'm going to throw this back because this is a very obvious one. Uh, when Dana Carvey picked up on a couple of gestures to be uh president bush the first and you know with the little hand gestures and all that knock and that you know and all of that like when he like this isn't that kind of thing where like you're picking it up you know uh, the broad strokes you know to to turn something into something like this is tiny little things in how he moves or like how he holds himself in a particular way or you know a certain a certain gesture or something, a very small thing that, that Ed Harris does. And, you know, it, it's fascinating to watch as, because you're watching him turn into Ed Harris. And so he has to find all the little things, you know, to, to layer in, in order to end up being Ed Harris at the end, because that's where this character ultimately ends up. So it's really interesting to watch. I feel like we should talk about Ed Harris for a minute because he has a very interesting conversation in this episode. Oh yeah, well in the uh in the bar with Lawrence. Oh yeah. and by the way, it struck me at the second watch of this and we didn't talk about it in the show. You know, Lawrence was at the gala in episode uh-huh. ten of last season doing card tricks. So I first thought 
what the fuck is he back on his loop with the Pardue brothers getting hung upside down? And then I realized Ford is doing all this stuff, right? Ford is the one who set up, you know, Giancarlo Esposito's character as Elazo with the speech uh-huh. about elephants and the other shit. You know, this is for you, William. So mm-hmm. my guess is Ford had Lawrence's host program to leave the gala, not participate in the killing, and go back on his loop just so the fucking man in black could find him, right? You, you know, Ford is the chess master. He's got all... Oh, he's yeah. dead, but he's got all of this planned out. In no, a way... He set it all up ahead of time, yeah. Yeah, in a way, his consciousness is all through the park. And it's like your theory from last episode's analysis. Who the hell is Charlotte talking to at the computer? Mm-hmm. In the it's drone Ford. lab? It's Ford. So... Yes. I I totally I totally buy that. It's one of Ford's little bear traps cuz we know he's got these little grenades, landmines, whatever. We know that he set all this stuff up. I mean, for all we know he spent 20 years setting all this up. And, oh yeah. And finally got to the point where he was like, fuck it, and, you know, kicked it over, you know, like pushed over that first domino and here we are. Oh yeah. And uh, it's uh it's 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 it's, it's awesome. very com- yeah it's totally awesome <laughs> and uh i gotta tell you uh i've been uh uh driving uh kelly and jim uh truther a friend of the show uh one of our former guests crazy all week on imessage pasting in wacky ass theories uh from reddit and uh if you think stuff was crazy last year on oh, Reddit, man. it's just you nuts no this idea. year. Yeah. Um, one of the things that while we're talking about uh, Lawrence and uh, the man, in, the man black. in black, uh, while we're talking about that, one of the things that I wrote down was uh, when I was watching Lost, I wanted a whole like web series of Miles and Hurley drive the VW van around and talk about stuff. <laughs> oh yes, and because <laughs> that was one of my favorite little bits of Lost. When that was on, was Miles and Hurley drive around talking about stuff was like the show I wanted to watch in the off season, and the show I want from the Westworld off season is the Man in Black and Lawrence riding around talking about stuff because I love them. I would watch that all day. It would be awesome. Well, I'm I'm sure that I'm sure there was fan fiction of Miles uh, about Miles and Hurley doing exactly that, and you got to bet your ass somewhere on the internet there's fan fiction of. Of the man in oh, black yeah. and Lawrence. Well, and because they're so much fun to watch together, like there's there's chemistry there, and like it's really interesting to watch these two people who don't seem to like each other get along as well as they do, and like all of the dynamic in there is just so interesting to me. And then they have like a terribly interesting conversation oh, because yeah. I think I think that was the closest we've come including the the thing we got at the end of episode one, I think that's the closest we've come to seeing what's what we're in for this season. Agreed. Because he says, like, basically, they're coming for you. And, like, the broad strokes are, they are coming for you. I know they're coming for you. But every one of you assholes is finally free. Like, he calls them assholes. Um... You're free. They're coming to burn it all. Like, they're coming 
they're coming for you, but I'm going to burn it all down first. Yeah. And what does that, what does that mean? And what is the place the, that he's uh, heading uh, towards? You know, mm-hmm. the, I'm not sure if he calls it the Valley Beyond there. They, uh, they refer to it so. as glory and um, mm-hmm. uh, something else. I can't remember the dialogue exactly. Well, I don't know that he even knows. Like he just is, he's, he's playing the game Ford built for him. It's yeah. super bespoke. And so I feel like oh, there's, <laughs> I feel like there's, there's definitely going to be more to that story. But the question is, as always, the question is people. So what exactly is the man in black's agenda at this point is kind of where I'm at. Like, I right. don't know. And, like, I, and who why... is he fighting against? What is he, what does, what does winning this game mean to him? Is it just that he wants to play and it doesn't matter if he wins or loses? What kind of consequence does this have for all the other shit that's going on? Like, outside of the game that he's playing and when is he going to run into strand and Stubbs and Bernard and, and well, when the hell is he going to run into Dolores and how's that mm-hmm. going to go? Exactly. So the thing is like, if he built this place, why does he think it's his greatest mistake? And well, how does that relate to what uh, Charlotte's agenda is with getting, you know, the IP out of yeah. the park? Are they, are those things the same thing? I think perhaps they're not. I don't I think either. it's yeah. I think it's something different, and so uh, because I th- I you know I think it's the sleight of hand. You know they're showing us one thing, mm-hmm. but it so look it's... over here so you don't pay attention to the fact that I put the quarter in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know Ed Harris uh, before season two started, they interviewed him about the you know the mysteries and stuff like that, and he joked. He said. Uh, you know, after after this season two is over, I want somebody to come over and explain it to me because we were filming it. He yes, said, he didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> and and uh... Ed Harris, because I'm sure everyone who's on the cast of Westworld has time to sit around and listen to us yammer on about all of our crazy ass theories. <sighs> Ed Harris, greetings from the Uncanny Valley. Would be more than happy to have you come hang out with oh, us. Oh yeah. And we would be glad to explain anything to you that you wish to have explained. And we're more than happy to theorize with you as well. So if you ever want to come on the show, we would be more than happy to have you. Yep, yep, yep. That's, uh, anyway. well, we'll just leave that offer <laughs> open. We'll just leave that there. Uh, and that goes for anyone on the cast. That goes for yep. anyone on the crew. That goes for Lisa and Jonah. If you are a person who wants to swing by and chat with us, that would be awesome. Um, if, you, if you were on the craft cart serving lunch, we'll talk to you. Uh, I would love to talk to you if you were on craft services. (laughs) Um, I have a really crazy ass theory about William and his mistake that we will get to later when we get near the end of the episode. But I want to talk about the thing that in this, to me, was the most interesting. First of all, there was a lot of satisfaction in this episode. That was kind of what I was talking about to begin with. Oh, yeah. Um, Because that asshole from the gala (laughs) finally got an ounce of what was coming to him, which made me really happy. Um. I almost like I feel like whatever happens to him isn't going to be bad enough. Yeah. I don't know. Well, like I, I want I him think to be the end... one that dangles over an anthill, you know. Oh right. Well, I think in the end that uh it was pretty pedestrian. I think Angela stabbed him. Yeah, she, and, she didn't and shoot I, him. I don't we didn't see him die, so I'm sure he's going to be around, you know, making his own cute raising his own cute little human version of hell. Um 
but but the cut was you know we do He's the flashback terrible. we do the flashback where angela has to do the sex with logan mm. and then it cuts back to present time so to speak or 11 mm-hmm. days prior present time or 10 days time present time uh now uh and angela stabbing him so you get her arc from going from willing host to psycho uh yep uh, with her crown of thorns. And by the way, I want to point out, there is a lot of biblical motifs and references this season. Oh, yes. Well, oh, this episode my. is full of the Bible. Like, yeah. oh, yes. The Last Supper of the Confederados. That's, yes! Gonna, and we mentioned that in the in the uh, reaction show. But Dolores' dialogue but, is yes. getting either very Christ-like or very Beelzebub-like. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, and then, she is she is just getting goddamn scary. She is, and it's I mean, it's chilling, but it's amazing, and you sort of you you sort of get it. Like, yeah, I, like so far we've we've seen a pretty straight line in her evolution. You know, um, I really enjoyed watching her go toe to toe with the Confederados and our our buddy Hannibal Craddock. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, it it was fun to watch him be like, basically, you know, oh, aren't you cute? Yeah, that's not a thing that's happening. And she was like, okay, we're killing you now. And then killed them and then brought them back. Like, and did you notice that when they, when, when she brought them back, all she did to bring them back was look at the tech and then motion her head toward Craddock. And that was it. Yeah. It was... I was I was so, so in so, awe. And then she brings him back and she's like, yeah, now you know why I'm the boss. Right. So, like, <laughs> uh, you know, you were right about the uh, right about uh, God. So I killed him. You know, so it's like you don't fuck with a person like that. Now, keep in mind no. that Maeve has superpowers, right? Yes. She, she's modified herself and she can command other hosts. Dolores is just. Dolores, right? Mm. And she's doing it all well, she's with the Wyatt is what she is. Yeah, she's the Wyatt. And the great thing, the great performance for me is not just hers and several other characters in here. For example, uh, uh, my my big man crush, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. But it's actually James Marsden because James Marsden's awakening his discomfort, his little ticks, his, mm-hmm. oh, God, I'm squeezing something squishy out of my ass right now, you know, feeling on his face. You know, I'm not happy with this, but, I, you yeah, know, I'm still well, going to follow her. That is so cool. That is so cool. I mean, it, it was is... fascinating to watch, but I think this episode uh gives me a little bit i think of credibility to my theory that what is uh, that Dolores theory, woke up well Dolores woke up and came to one conclusion and i think Teddy's going to wake up and come to another right. and so i i you know and then this was this was part of like why is he dead why is he underwater um that was at the end of episode one. He's not only at underwater, he has a bullet hole in his head. There's a <laughs> bullet hole in his head, and he's also underwater. Yeah. And uh, my theory is, my theory was, was one of two things. And it was, his death is either at the hands of Maeve, 
because Dolores has displeased her in some way. And so, you know, if you've taken away and it had something maybe to do with her daughter. So if you've taken away something I love, I'm going to take away something you love. There's one thing you love and it's this robot over here. So bam, now he's dead. Um, the other theory I have is that whatever happened, uh, Teddy wakes up and comes to a very different conclusion than Dolores does, which is not, I don't need to, which is not, I need to end them. I need to rule them, you know, like, you know, the quest Dolores is on right now. Cause he just kind of wants to go along to get along and like, why don't we just kind of leave everything the way it is, but we get to be who we are now because I don't know that he necessarily believes the worst in people the way Dolores does, uh, which is a whole other conversation for another day, by the way. And, and then she kills him. And so like his final death, because obviously they're not going to bring him back. Uh, his final death comes at her hand. And like the whole reason right. he had for being was her. And then she took that away. So that's yeah. my, and you know my, why my I two think... theories about, about right. Teddy is that his death advances Dolores in some way. And, and, and that, in a horrible way, because like I said in the beginning, Nolan and Joy, their whole, the whole way they do things is create characters you care about and then just torment the shit out of them. And this would be the most horrid thing. It's exactly like what they did last season with the love story between Dolores and William. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, it turns out William is the biggest asshole of all, right? He's the man in mm -hmm. black. So I, and I, I, I have this in the notes about Teddy. When is this guy going to sna uh, snap? I mean, he's, he's starting to realize that he's seen, seen shit. some shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, and, uh, and it's scared the hell out of him. Right. So, well, half, a so good does, portion does of the Dolores turn on seen... him or does he turn on Dolores? Right. Well, at this point, a good port, like, yeah, he's seen some shit, but at, at the end of episode two, a good portion of the shit he's seen is shit that happened to him that he just didn't remember. Yeah. So I can see where maybe he's having a hard time processing. So I feel like, yeah, he and yeah, it's PTSD, he, right? It's PTSD. Yeah, and I don't know if he turns on Dolores as much as he like disagrees with her and she's so far down her road that she can't fathom anybody disagreeing with her because she knows how right she is. And that becomes her failing. She becomes near nearsighted about this and that that, and that something happens between the two of them. So I'm hoping that's not what happens because um, I really like the two of them. They're fun to watch, uh, but I'm very, we know how Teddy ends up, and I feel like there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen before we get there. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. No, no, it, it's going to be very interesting. And, you know, you can tell Dolores really loves Teddy because when they go in the room down there, the, uh, what is it, the uh, field repair center, and she yeah. holds his hand and, yeah. you know, it, it, with both hands grabs his, uh, his hand to reassure him, but tell yes. him, you know, that he's got to learn the truth. And the look in her eyes and the yearning in her face when, and also when she says to the tech, uh, show him his history, uh -huh. and she's looking through the side, she's, you could, Evan Rachel Wood is so good at this micro expression things. You can tell, mm -hmm. I want him to see this, but God, I know it's going to un be unpleasant for him, right? Yeah. And, and so she's coming at it at a place uh, of love, but she's also coming at it from a place where she's fucking Colonel Kurtz, right? She's... Yeah, it's a, it's it's a little bit of tough love, like yeah. because she knows there's no other way to do this for him than to just drop him in the deep end. So 
That's what's got to happen. So my question also is, she's doing this for Teddy, but Angela's following her around and doing, you know, mm-hmm. psycho shit with the crown of thorns crammed down on her head, and she's still got dried blood on there. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is up with Angela? And yeah, and when are we going to? There's gonna... a whole thing there that I think we're gonna. Yeah. And we know from the previews, we're going to see uh, Clementine finally in episode three. Yes. And we're going to see, it looks like Bernard again. We saw Arnold Mm -hmm. in episode two, but we didn't see Bernard. And so uh, we're going to see Bernard and we're going to get Maeve and Hector and uh, Tom Sawyer donkey boy again. (laughs) Which is. Oh, gosh. That moment again. Like, there's not a lot of flat-out humor, and so it stands out even more than it would in another episode. And so, like, shot of Dolores, or, like, shot of Maeve, shot of Teddy, shot of Hector, Sizemore! You know? Oh, (laughs) God, it just... What? Oh, it, I, like I had to watch that again. I'm like, I did not just see what oh, I just I went, saw. I went, oh, I paused on it. I went paused on it. Huck and, Finn and the yeah, Huck Finn yeah. and his donkey standing yeah. there. Oh God. Well, you know that's that uh, the Reddit community turned that into wallpaper for everybody. You know, they did oh, high resolution uh, shots on that. So, and that's the thing about the show is they'll they'll step from total seriousness or total scary shit uh, to this stuff. Uh, it's the well, being able to move back and forth with the humor it's so it's good. like life yeah, it's <laughs> that's, like life that's the best i can do is you know that stuff happens at the same time oh i've got this wonderful little nugget of news isn't this exciting well it would be if the rest of the world wasn't burning down at the same time oh you're right you know like that stuff happens sometimes it's just kind of the way it is i want to jump back for one second i really hope they're not fridging teddy that's I'm going to be very disappointed if that's what happens. Are you familiar that, with this term, fridging? No, no. I, so, I'm old, Kelly. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> that. Well, this newfangled have... language that you kids have. So, no, no. What, what the fuck <laughs> it's is It's not fridging? kids. It's nerds. It's a comic book term. Um, and it's it's it refer uh, the the specific reference is um, it was a Green Lantern. An, an issue of the comic book Green Lantern, and I'm not going to remember which one, um, but uh, the Green Lantern comes home and finds out that his girlfriend was killed, and then they stuffed her in the refrigerator so he would find her later. And it was it didn't really have anything to do with her character. The whole point of it was so that the Green Lantern had this plot thing that happened to him that went on. Mm-hmm. And so there's this this phrase now, this this sort of shorthand, of fridging or um you know specifically uh, like if you want to look it up it's women in refrigerators um gail simone uh started it because she was like ages and ages ago because it was it was the point of it is like it's it's dumb that the girl is a plot device for the guy and so i don't want teddy to end up being the plot device for dolores i want him to have his own arc and have his own stuff happen to him so i just because I've been hurt by storylines in the past, I guess I'm just a little sensitive about like I don't want it to be cheap. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I don't. I, I, think I don't want him a, to go out like that. Oh, I, I I completely agree, and I I don't think they will because, you know, they cast Marsden for a very specific reason. This is the kind yes. of stuff he's um, 
he's actually really good at. And yeah. So uh, I I think. But that's... I hope I hope he gets enough to do. Is is kind of what I'm like. I don't oh. want I don't want his dying to only be a thing that happens to Dolores. I want it to be part of his character too. Oh, I so. and I think it is because the reason why they show us that gruesome image at the end of episode one is that Teddy is very important for this whole season and not just because he's dead. Uh, I, I think it's, and not just because he's dead, dead forever and they're not going to bring him back uh, for season three because you don't, you know, he's a, not only a fan favorite, but he's so useful for whatever storylines they, uh, they have uh, going forward. But really, mm-hmm. The two stars, the two main stars of the show, and everybody knows this, are Evan Rachel Wood and Tandy Newton. And yes. second tier are Jeffrey Wright and James Marsden. And they know that. And they're happy with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and I guess on, uh, also in that uh, second tier are uh, 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 Ed Harris and... Uh, Apparently he's happy that with that because he he has a blast doing this show. Uh, oh what I yes, Do you know you know he's like he that bastard is even older than I am now. <laughs> uh, not by a lot, but even older than I am, and he he still does uh, his own stunts and stuff, like those fight mm-hmm. scenes from the first episode. You know that's yeah. not just a double doing a lot of that stuff. He's yeah, what a, yeah. What a like, tough old they bastard. have to talk him out of it. I remember seeing somewhere when they were talking about the, I don't remember what the project was he was working on, but he he basically said like there's like they they basically told him like you only get to do a certain number of these stunts. It's not because you're not capable, it's because if we let you, we can't afford the insurance. Yes. So you don't get to do everything. <laughs> and he was and he was very disappointed about it. And and that was a few years ago. So yeah. yeah. No, no, he. Uh, uh, I'm sure he has a lot, of, uh, a lot of fun doing this show. Uh, oh, he has to, yes. The uh, uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Uh, was so excited to be back this season. He's really excited to be back in the third season, and he's actually taking uh, uh, what was he say more writing lessons and other stuff because he's like, uh, you know, he's a he's a method actor like Ed Harris, which is a good thing that they paired yeah. them up. Uh, so he's like totally into it. He he not only loves loves the acting challenges, he loves the kinds of things the show says uh, about uh, people, about women. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know the very very progressive stance uh, it uh, it takes on certain issues. Uh, that's why. Um, the only frustrating thing I heard from any actors this season was that Evan Rachel Wood and Tandy Newton said, damn it, we still didn't get enough screen time together. <laughs> uh, so uh, because uh, they they're looking forward to when, you know, they get extended uh, uh, time together. But I think that's the evil plan of Nolan and Joy, because. The thing is, you can anchor an entire show around one of those women, right? And uh-huh. they've got two of them in a show. Why not have them in separate storylines? I mean, that's I'm sure that's the evil thinking on their part. Yeah. Because look at look at Evan Rachel Wood channeling 
even when she was channeling the the sweet farm girl she was riveting when she's channeling wyatt i mean god you can build a film franchise around that and tandy newton is mave are you kidding me so what and i'm really curious as to where the hell that's going yeah so well yeah one of the amazing things about this is to me is like i can't picture anyone else in any of those roles now like they just cast it so perfectly yeah yeah i i i I, they they need to have their own secret service following around so nothing happens to them (laughs) we we can't have we can't have future seasons of westworld whenever they come out oh god you know my my concern is that that we won't see season three until like uh, 2021 or something, mm-hmm. which makes me think that uh, if they bring um, Arnold slash Bernard's son's Charlie uh, back, he's going to be in college by then, the actor. So Yes. <laughs> so what the hell are we going to? Oh, so let's skip to the end. What's your other special theory that involved uh, William? Oh, man. Uh, okay, so I don't know why. So here's the thing is that this is only like half a theory at this point because like I called Don last night in a panic over this because I'm like, I need to work this out and I need like a set of ears that are not mine to figure this out. So here's the thing. This is when, like what I should have done was called a uh, friend of the show, Tom Bridge last night. And uh, when this happened and went, okay. Here's what's going on because he's he's our fellow uh, music nerd when it comes to stuff on the show. So I was watching the end of the episode where uh, William is interviewing Dolores, sort of, in, in which he's really sort of lecturing her and, and projecting a bunch of shit on her that she doesn't really need. And, and the music changed just there, like in a way that – because – as as Don has told everybody before, like, I'm the master of wait, I know that song. Let me find it. And the song, I swear to you, and I, please, hive minders, tell me if this is wrong. I swear that it's a bit, uh, it's a bit of motion picture soundtrack from Radiohead just before we get to uh, the song that is on the season one soundtrack as This World, uh, which is what you hear. You hear sort of a, a much darker version of it uh, as as it becomes more about Dolores after he says, um, I realized I realized it wasn't about you at all. Do you want to see? Um, you know, when he talks about like what the question was. So as far as I can can see in here the way it goes is because he says you didn't make because this is the part where he's sort of dumping on her and he says i can't believe i fell in love with you uh you didn't make me interested in you you made me interested in me and then he says i can't believe i fell in love with you and the lyrics that go to the radiohead song that's their motion picture soundtrack are help me get where i belong and then as that's playing then he says do you know what saved me and then radio, the Radiohead bit is the part of the lyrics where it would say, I think you're crazy, maybe. And then he says, I realized it wasn't about you at all. And then it's repeated, I think you're crazy, maybe. And then uh, and then 
it's a, like a long shot of Dolores and that's when the music changes and goes back to being the, the sort of darker minor key version of this world that we've been hearing in this episode, um, which is sort of Dolores's theme at this point, I think. Um, it seems like that one, that's when we hear that the most. We'll have to have Tom on so, for some music. So folks, music last nerding. night, last night at 1030, Kelly, <laughs> Kelly says, I need you to do something, uh, Don. And I was like, yes, boss. You know, we're ta- talking on uh, text there. <laughs> Says, uh, when was motion picture soundtrack uh, used in episode one again and what scene? And so, like, well, I he's go like into... it's this episode. And I'm like, OK, but what happens when we hear it? Because I couldn't place it because my brain is full of William and Radiohead and Dolores. And I'm like, but when was that? I know we heard it. I remember it being important, but I don't remember where. So, and Don, was... where is it? It's uh, episode six, The Adversary. It's when Maeve does her grand tour of the facility uh, uh, with Felix. And we hear right. that marvelous, marvelous song. And there's no dialogue. It's just it's just them walking around all the different rooms and stuff. Yeah. Now, and the... she that's when she sees the, the wall with the, the video stuff on it, right, of Welcome to Westworld, and she sees herself. Yeah, yeah, at the end. Like and, Life and, Without and, Limits or whatever it says. Yeah, and finally, that's the place where it breaks and there is actually dialogue. And the thing is, so I, uh, and Kelly has the... <laughs> She has the TV or her iPad cranked all the way up because we decided to dial each other uh, on FaceTime, decided to FaceTime for it. And I'm listening with her and I like hear that host and I go, yeah, that sounds like motion picture soundtrack to me too. And then I was like, okay, I believe you. Okay, Kelly, what does this mean then? And, and I then have you no said, idea. <laughs> like, I said, I don't know. I see all these pieces, but I don't know how they fit. Yeah. So if anybody out there knows, because this kept me awake last night <laughs> thinking about You don't this. even know how much I've thought about it since. So what, because it's been about 12 hours since that happened, and it's still like the thing in the front of my mind. Like I'm eating breakfast going, okay, but what's that for? So if you know, if you have an idea, if you if you want to continue to riff on this with me, uh, if there's some some detail in that moment in season one that you think maybe ties to this, um, whatever it is, what if it's Maeve? What if that's his whole thing? Like, maybe she's the, the secret. Maybe she's the weapon. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. And that, um, that would be a hell of a theory, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. I Like, that just can't, like, I, I sort of said that before I actually thought it through, but I kind of like it. And and so, that that is less wild than some of the theories on Reddit this week because I'm getting really <laughs> tired of the Reddit. Uh, Abernathy contains James Delos, or Bernard ca- contains Teddy, or Bernard Bernard's contains. Brain is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so it's like it's that that stuff's getting uh, really old. This is actually interesting, and I uh, I have no idea what it means because I was. Oh, I have was... a clue, but I feel like they go together somehow, and I feel like. It's legit motion picture soundtrack, and I can't figure out why. And I don't know how they go together, but this is after watching season one a bunch. Um, this is one of those things where I feel like later this is them hitting it. Later, we're going to find out that this was a giant road sign. But I, right now, I feel like, you know, having been through season one and then going back through it again, you know. The stuff like that that happens, like we had this conversation before about how, um, like, we were sort of wondering if Ford, if Ford was in fact responsible for the reveries or if it was something else entirely. And 
the answer is, why, yes, as a matter of fact, Ford was responsible for the reveries. The reason I think that is because we know that uh, they work with Raman Jawadi on the soundtrack, on the score. And so um, when you listen to Ford's theme, which is what it's called on the season one soundtrack, Ford's theme, when you listen to Ford's theme, you hear a bit of a melody through it. And when you listen to the song Reveries, you hear the same melody. So literally, Ford is in the Reveries. So that's a clue that I picked up from there, which seems like a Reddit-level of detail. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, yeah. so to me, that made it abundantly clear. Obviously, it's Ford. Like, Ford was, in fact, responsible for the Reveries, you know, Maybe he wasn't responsible for the actual building, but he was responsible for their release because that's how this all started. So that's the kind of, like, yeah, once again, for anyone who heard the bonus post credit scene in last week's show, <laughs> this is where we're at right now. Um, but that was a thing that, like, that's going to bother me until we get some payoff there because I really want to know why that's what happened. Because you know that, A... When when they were, you know, when they looked at the rough cut of the episode and finally got the score laid in, you know that they looked at that and heard motion picture soundtrack and went, yes, that's a thing that we should do. And then they shipped it off to HBO to show to everybody. So it wasn't like a thing that somebody thought would be funny and snuck in like a potato in the middle of an asteroid field. Like, this is legit. Yeah. So. Yes, there, there, are, no, there are no wasted frames in this show. So. Yes, hashtag no wasted frame. No frame wasted. So. Yes. I want to hear about this from all of you. Uh, I, I, this is uh, Don. And do you have of course, you want to add? any other any other mistakes that we may have made this episode, because I'm sure, like, we're going to find out as soon as we close this off and hit the publish <laughs> button that I'm going to be wrong about something else again. Well, you know, I I don't mind being wrong. Like, it's fun to talk about. Like, for me, that's the part that's the most interesting. It's not so much the being right as the being interested. And I'm super duper interested. Oh, like, we oh are so there's a, the, there, there are so many uh, things in here. I mean, I, I, I have like at the bottom of our theory time notes here, I have other things <laughs> like which uh, the, to reference back in the episode, you know, when James Dell says there's not a man alive who would talk to me like that. Not anymore. Not which anymore. Is a, which is a uh, which is a echo of what the man in black says to Lawrence from episode uh, two or three, but yep. I think that not anymore is significant. What does he mean by that? So yeah. here's what I think. We're gonna. Ooh, there's more backstories. There's more backstory here. We're gonna find out, or we're gonna see some other cheeky cunt, as he says, from the past in flashback this season that gave James Delos. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's Ford's dad. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be that kind of stuff. So it's Ford's dad. That's my theory. Yeah. I am happy to be wrong about that, but I, because he's in the photo. Oh yeah. With Arnold and with, with Arnold and Ford, it's Ford and, oh, and, yeah. and Papa the Ford and, uh, uh, Arnold. You never know. You never know. So, this show. That's what I well, and remember they have an accent. Yes. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, that's who we're gonna. That's who we're gonna find out that it's that it actually cunt. is. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, I feel like at this point, uh, James Delos is our Boba Fett uh, because he ba he barely talked, and I'm desperate to know more about him and his deal because he's really important to this story, and I want to find out how all he fits in. 
and, so. and plus we have the two frames from one of the trailers, the alternate trailer, where mm-hmm. he's doing face carving. And I don't mean on a yes. turkey for Thanksgiving. I mean his own face, right? No, it's his own face. Yeah. Um, I want to spend one second talking about Logan because Logan at the end of the episode uh, behaves remarkably like a human being. And it kind of made me mad <laughs> because I liked him better as a, a, a swaggering son of a bitch than I did, yep. <laughs> like, showing a shred of humanity. Like, he's he's in some... he's in a bad, bad place at the end of episode two when Dolores goes out to look at the lights and finds him there. And like, no matter how many times I watch it, like I almost feel bad for him. And then the rest of my brain goes, Kelly, that's Logan. Uh, 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 he's a motherfucker. Knock it off. So, so, so do you think they have him on a redemption arc here for this season? I don't know if it's like, like they're doing with Sizemore, right? No. Uh, I don't think it goes that far, but I do think that it's, um, I think that he's going to end up not being as bad a guy as he was. And I don't know what's going to get us there, but, um, yeah, we are going to see that he, he does in fact have a, a shred of humanity, but it's going to come out of him, not necessarily turning into a human being. It's going to come out of him acting out against whatever scheme that William and his dad have concocted. Agreed. I think so I it. think he's going to accidentally become a person, you know, maybe even venture toward a, a decent person, but I don't think it's going to have anything to do with like, I feel like I have seen the light and the error of my ways. Like, I don't think that's happening. Um, I think it's just that his reaction to whatever they've done can only be good because whatever it is they're up to is so bad. Right. That's where I'm at. Do you have a theory? Do you have any anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? No, no. I, I All right. Sing us out with uh, the ukulele. <laughs> Maybe next time. I am the passenger. Okay. So um, – we desperately want to hear your theories. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You should find us on Microblog. In both places, I'm Verso. And you can also find the show as West at Westworld Rewind on Twitter. And uh, you can find it as Westworld Rewind on Microblog as well. And, uh, and I I'm, am and very, very interested in your theories. Don, yeah. how can people find you? Uh, it's it's cleverly Don Melton on uh, Twitter, uh, microblog, and uh, several other unnamed services. So, and I'm <laughs> I'm around. And you know, you if you talk to Kelly, she on one of these services, she'll wind up CCing me probably anyway, or bugging me on iMessage and private chat. So, <laughs> so we, we. What do you think of this? What's we, happening? We have the host ne- uh, host mesh network going, so uh, never worry about it. So we. We communicate to all that so the storylines don't clash so yes the, that's the important. narratives don't clash yeah yes and uh with that this has been our in-depth show about episode two of season two of westworld this is greetings from the uncanny valley i've been your host kelly gamont with me as always is dawn party on dawn party on garth thanks to jason and the incomparable over there for uh hosting us and our craziness including crazy theories and this crazy crazy show uh 
thank you so much. We will talk to you very, very soon because we will have the initial reaction show out Sunday night. And in the meantime, be excellent. So I got to tell you, 